For the past week, I have prayed last Sunday's collect as part of daily morning prayer. So if you don't happen to recall it, let me refresh your memories with reference to a significant and arguably troubling phrase. That with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Now, paradoxically, this is one of my favorite colics because it acts like a spiritual cleanser, because it provokes self-examination, because it raises questions that I otherwise might seek to avoid. For instance, am I really, like C.S. Lewis, praying at least as far as this particular collect is concerned, deep within my inner self, that I pass through things eternal so that I lose not the things temporal. Was that merely a careless or casual slip of the tongue, a momentary blip on the radar screen of my life uttered without thinking? Or was it really my intention? Am I more focused on the golden calf of idolatry, no matter what shape it happens to assume, no matter how a culture configures it. But there's more, sort of like my cousin Vinny. Remember the girl in the witness stand? There's more. This week, the daily lectionary commenced a three-week-long journey through the Old Testament book of Judges during which I would be reminded over and over and over that the Israelites once again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Am I, like ancient Israel, whoring after other gods to the extent that God's patience with me has been exhausted. Has what Jesus did for me on the cross and in his resurrection become no longer central to me? And unfortunately, the answer to that question would have to be occasionally guilty as charged. However, enough already. Seven days of this browbeating, soul-searching is sufficient. I've done my penance. So on to this week. And what a shock. As I discovered that the truth of last week's collect would not relinquish its grip. Heck, the entire psalm 
that we sung is about it. And it became obvious to me, uncomfortably so, that now I would have to deal with the implications of St. Paul once again and the Gospel reading from Luke. And yet, it all fits together, speaking to us in a single voice. And as I read today's Gospel, I could not set aside what was going on in the world and the obvious conclusion that the Gospel of salvation has been relegated to a kind of antiquated platitude useful for those of us who are unenlightened. Ukraine and the massive loss of civilian life. The Uvalde massacre and the copycat reenactments across our nation. The public hearings and all the implications that go with them of January 6th 2021, the threats to individual members of the Supreme Court, the ongoing persecution of the church in Iran, Syria, Nigeria, China, all of them ignored by the media. And those are only a few places. The way in which leaders across the world seek to make hay from present horror and the oft-repeated outcry, never again, uttered by President Biden on his recent visit to Israel, and yet never again has become again and again and again. In the Gospel, Jesus compels you and me to remember the brief nature of this life. And I recall my mother saying to me once that we are all creatures, flawed by sin, and here was the key, subject to recall by our Creator at any moment. And in her wisdom, and I suspect without really thinking about the biblical passage, mom had paraphrased our Lord. You fool, this very night, your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? The world in which you and I live and all its manifestations of illusory golden calves and instant gratifications is brief, passing, transient, ephemeral. And as the scriptures declare, as we prayed in the collect, you and I are wonderfully made, living, pulsating engines designed to run on God as a car is designed to run on gasoline, to build 
our lives on the things eternal, on the truth of the incarnate, crucified, bodily risen and ascended Jesus Christ. As Christians, you and I are to live from the vantage point of Easter, the vantage point of hope, from the realization that the eternal always trumps the temporal. Indeed, the Easter moment is the axis, axis, axis on which the world pivots. The moment of sure and certain hope. And to remind you of last week, an event that happened in reality to reality and changed reality forever. As St. Paul wrote to the young church at Colossae in the passage we just heard read, if one embraces the Easter moment, if each of us has been raised to new life in Jesus Christ, then you and I must take the next step and put to death whatever in us is earthly. The alternative is expressed powerfully by the Presbyterian minister, Tim Keller, when he observes that idolatry is foundational to what is wrong with the human race. That a preoccupation with things temporal, golden idols, and I quote Paul, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed is placing some thing ahead of God and turning it into a false God. I become completely vulnerable to those idols, little more than a slave to them. As an illustration, go back in the Bible, remember Israel at the time of the Exodus, being freed from bondage in Egypt, and then immediately playing the harlot and preferring the fleeting temporality of an idol to the eternal Yahweh and the covenant that he established. And meanwhile, in the West of today, and not just today, we have taken a phrase from the Book of Common Prayer, whose service is perfect freedom, which defines the inherent joy in our relationship with the eternal and triune God, and claimed instead our freedom to do whatever we like, because God doesn't mind very much. How often have I forgotten, rather conveniently, the truth 
of the biblical scholar N.T. Wright's observation that we are formed by the relationships in which we live. Whether they are a rendezvous with reality, with the living God, wholesome, life-giving, or with the idol of the moment, ugly and destructive. Golden calves, whatever their manifestation, however they show themselves to us, are off limits for Christians because they encourage the adoration of a false god, the worship of something that leads to death rather than to life eternal. Whereas the relationship God wants us to enjoy with him is a passionate, personal relationship of love. However, the good news is that all is not lost. The power of the cross and the joy of the resurrection never lose their immediacy. For those who embrace them, who hold them close, who live in the glory and truth of the cross and the empty tomb, who seek the things that are above where Christ is, for them Easter always promises a sure and certain hope of a new creation, of a new you and a new me, of a new heaven and a new earth. To live and pray that you and I lose not the things temporal, that we focus on the adoration of golden calves and American idols, even if we do it subconsciously or as a slip of the tongue, remains rebellious idolatry by which you and I worship and honor elements and idols of the world rather than the one holy and living God. To paraphrase Hamlet, though in a different context, our world is out of joint. And you and I here at St. Stephen's are to be part of the movement to set things right to help build the kingdom of God as it will come on earth as in heaven. To borrow from Wordsworth, again, out of context, the world is too much with us late and soon, getting and spending, so that you and I lay waste our powers and are out of tune. But like the psalmist, we are invited to sing a new song. 
and as Tom Wright notes so perceptively, turning away from the worship of the living God is turning toward that which has no life in itself. Worship that which is transient and it can only give you death. Let me end. As recent events verify, death can intrude at any time for anyone at any moment. Our lives, my life, yours, may be demanded of us this very night. And not just from acts of terror. However, if you and I will choose the eternal and pass through the temporal, if we will accept Easter as the pivotal moment for all else, the axis mundi of creation, then we will live our lives in the fulfillment of the promise that the resurrection has completed the inauguration of God's kingdom. And as we learn from the end of Matthew's gospel, which we just completed this yesterday morning in the daily office, you and I are to be God's instruments in mission to the world based on Jesus's lordship over the world. What will it be for me, for you? The temporal or the eternal? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.